Psalm 52. Why boast thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Thy tongue devises mischief like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Selah. Thou loves all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever, and he shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place, and root thee out of the land of the living. Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is a man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou has done it. And I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so I stood up and I was just like, do not grow weary in doing good. In due season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Welcome to season four of Basketful of Bread. It is my joy and purpose to hold your weary arms up by the power of the Holy Spirit as we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in the high places. Together, we are going to stand firm in the secret place where our King Creator will encourage and spur us on with His resurrecting power and mighty word. This season on Basketful of Bread, it is my battle cry to intercede on behalf of the local gospel workers, the overcomers, the remnant, the bride of Christ. The harvest is plentiful. Let's work. My name is Bethany, and I'm grateful you're here. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to Basketful of Bread. My name is Bethany, and I am so grateful you're here. Truly, I truly am. We are continuing on in this Like a Green Olive Tree series, and it's the symbolism that just represents, you know, our heart's desire for righteousness. Uh, We've been on this journey of seeking what does it mean to be righteous in God's Word, and um, I think this is our fourth episode in that series. But if you go back and you're listening through season four, you'll see kind of a slow progression into this this, uh, endeavor. Um, I feel so, so strongly that God is calling us to go higher and deeper. And part of that is refining and it is pursuing righteousness and it is being holy because he is holy. And I talked about that in the first few episodes, so I'm not going to recap too much there. Go back and listen. But today we're going to pick up um, in James again, and we're going to talk about seeds of righteousness. What are 
the seeds of righteousness. I wanted to talk about the fruit of righteousness, but then I was like, well, maybe we can't talk about the fruit until we talk about what are the seeds? What exactly are we sowing when we are pursuing righteousness, when we are living righteously? What is the expectation from God's word that, um, what does the transformation look like? And so I really just wanted to walk through several scriptures with us, with you guys today, um, and just allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak. And so Father, this is your space. This is your time. Have your way. God, I love you so much. We love your word. God, we love your heart. We want to be more like you. We want to be pursuing righteousness so that we can be more like you. And so God, I pray that you would just illuminate your word to us today. Give us wisdom, Father. Help us to know and and understand what we're reading. I pray for my dear friend listening today that um, you would just renew their mind. God, that you would um, bring clarity, that you would keep, keep their mind stayed on you today so that they can walk in your perfect peace. I pray that um, the words that are coming out of your word would impress upon their heart today and strengthen them and equip them for the journey. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the beautiful thing about today's episode is I have a designated window to record this. My sweet husband is holding down the fort so I can sit in a little nook with my coffee and my Bibles and my notes and I can chat with you guys, which is like kind of blowing my mind right now because normally I'm like, hey guys, (laughs) as I like run out back real quick. (laughs) So it's a new day, y'all. It's a new day. Okay. All right, so we're going to pick back up in James 3, okay? And there's so much here. There's so, so, so much here. And I just want to read James 3. I'm going to read all of it. And we're going to focus on a portion of it. But we're going to start off in the taming your tongue area of James 3. And I just want to let you guys know, I'm going to do a another podcast going deeper into taming the tongue because God has and is still working this out in me. And, um, I have some good stories of what he's done and how he's resurrected and um, redirected my tongue. So we're going to read through James three and I'm going to hold my tongue and not go too far into memory lane. And we're just going to like go through because I've got, um, several, several scriptures for us to get into today. So James three. Um, And you know what, you guys, I've got both of my Bibles here. If you're a long time listener, you know, I like to use multiple swords um, because sometimes, you know, the different versions, you know, can to minister to us. We might hear something a little bit different, but the same. And so I've got the CSB and I also have my King James version. So you'll know real quick which one I'm using. So let's get into James 3. All right, James 3 says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Wow, Lord, help us. Give us that. 
Now, if we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies and consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts in great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness is placed among our members it stains the whole body sets the course of life on fire and it itself sets on fire by hell every kind of animal bird reptile and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs. Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Wow. In my King James Bible, it says, uh, uses the word helm, which I just want to shout out to my baby boy because his middle name is Helm, um, where it says, um, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. With whoever, whoever governs, um, whoever the governor listeth. Um, so here we have this picture of this tiny little or little piece of flesh that we have on our bodies that truly has the power to kill or bring life father help us to know the power that is within our tongue and father we just want to release our tongues to you in jesus name and say um please be glorified please help us to just bless your name help us not to condemn or curse the children that you love so much and that are made in your image we're headed into this guys i want you to remember the blessings of, you know, with your tongue, you could either bless somebody or curse somebody. And I love that he's noting here um, that we use our tongue to either basically love or hate, love or bring fear, right? Okay, we're moving on to um, 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. Okay, so now we're moving into a wisdom side of things. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish 
ambition. Ask God what that is. What is selfish ambition? There is disorder. Disorder. Mm, and every evil practice. Okay. Hope you're hearing this. But the wisdom from above is first. This is how you know it's wisdom from above. Pure. Then peace loving. Gentle. Compliant. Full of mercy and good fruits unwavering without pretense and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace okay the last part of this in my king james i want to read it it says um but where envying and strife is there is confusion and every evil work but the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable gentle and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace and them that make peace So this is our goal is to be aware of the tongue that we have and know that with this tongue, we, we can, we can sow seeds that will cultivate the fruit of righteousness. However, there is a key element needed to do this, and that is wisdom from above. It's important to be able to distinguish what is earthly wisdom or earthly understanding. And what is wisdom of God? I've referenced in Isaiah 11 several times that wisdom is one of the, the sevenfold descriptors of the spirit of God, wisdom. And so it is a, a gift that we can receive through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's so precious about James is that he tells us that we have access to this wisdom in James 1.5. Um, it says, let me go back. I'm going back. James 1, 5, where are you at? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and unabradeth not, and it shall be given to him. If you don't have wisdom and you're like, what even is that? Ask God to start giving it to you because he will give it to you free. Um, if anyone acts wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Ask God for wisdom. And um, I'm telling you right now, the ticket into wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's what God's word, there's a proverb that says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'll reference it in the show notes so that we remember um, fear of the Lord. Okay. So, which is also back in Isaiah 11, you guys, um, it, it also references the fear of the Lord, which is literally, and I, I've been, I've been talking about this literally in every episode, Isaiah 11 just like keeps jumping off the page at me. I'm just going to split back really quick. Um, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots and the spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge. And it goes on. But, um, 
The fear of the Lord is a key for wisdom. And we've talked about the fear of the Lord on this podcast several times. So you can go back and look at that. But that is the key to so many of these, um, so, so much of walking in the spirit and having the reverence that our creator God deserves begins with having fear of the Lord rather than fear of man. All right, so moving past James 3. When I went and I was seeking God's word, looking for um, the key for that last part in James 3.18, where it says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by them that make peace. I, I asked the Lord, I'm like, okay, where do you want me to go from here? Because I want to break this down. I want to break this down. And so that took me on this little wild goose chase, which took me not really a wild goose chase. It was a pretty clear goose chase. <laughs> we were walking on the path. It was a path walk with a goose. Okay. Leviticus 19. Okay. So we're going to go back, you guys, to the very old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Oh, before we do that. um, Oh no, we're good. Okay. Sorry, Leviticus 19. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus is when the law was introduced, you guys, because we've talked about this. You know what I'm saying? There, there had to be some elements put into place and practice so that God could give his chosen people an opportunity to abide in him before Jesus came. And so you better believe there was like a bajillion things that were very important that were impossible to keep. Okay. So many of them were not possible to keep because um, we needed our savior. We needed our savior and God wanted us to know we needed our savior. But some of these were actually... um, well, you're going to see carry through into the New Testament. So there's that beginning like Torah law, and then there's um, the royal law, which I learned, you guys, about, I learned it was called the royal law. So in Leviticus 19, 18, it says, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, of my people, your people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So you see it up front. There's this, you don't need to be avenging or bearing grudges or holding on to, you know, anything against your brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. For them, it was, you know, Israelites, God's chosen people during this time. He's saying, don't, you know, hold on to grudges or think about how you can get back at somebody, but you need to love your neighbor as yourself. So this is the beginning of the royal law. This is where um, God is saying, this is very important. You need to do this. And this carries into the New Testament, which is so beautiful. And then he says at the end, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And the way that it's written out, the Lord, when it's all capital letters like that, um, it should be read as Yehovah, 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 or some people say Jehovah, but it's Yehovah, the existing one. That is the proper name of the one true 
God. So he's, the Lord is exalting him as health saying here, like I am the Lord, I am sealing my name on this. And this is very important to me. You have to love. I really, 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 really command you to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So then if you flip over into Matthew, we're going to head back to the new Testament when Jesus walked. Okay. This is echoed. This was never something that went away. You guys know if you're a Christ follower, love God, love people. That's the trendy way of saying it. But this has always been a command from the Lord because because of the unlove that was happening, God had to make this a law, a commandment. And then when Jesus came, he made it. Um, he echoed that and he said, no, this is still important. Even though I've come and I've broken off these rituals that used to bring you close to the Lord and in intimacy, this is still something that needs to um, be carried on. So in the gospels, we're going to, we're going to emphasize on that. Um, in Matthew, let's go to Matthew 22 first. In Matthew 22, 37, is that right? 22, 37. Okay, here we go. It sells. Hold on. Here we go. Um, <clears throat> okay. Jesus said unto them. So remember, this is the lawyers <clears throat> that are like tempting him. They're trying to make him stumble. Jesus says to them, well, I'll just read it for you. Let me read from the beginning, 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees in silence, they were gathered together. And then one of them said, which was a lawyer asking him a question. He was tempting him. I don't know why I'm getting Southern, I guess, because I'm like, these guys are tripping if they think they can tempt the King of Kings. Um, <clears throat> Master, which is the great commandment in the law? He's trying to trick him. Okay. He's trying to trick him. And Jesus says unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. This is such a kind answer to this heathen man trying to cause Jesus to stumble. He's trying to trick him. Um, and Jesus is very simply saying, because it's important, that coming back from the law in the Old Testament, the, the most important thing that we preserve from those customs and that time period in the law, and this is a Jewish man, you know, so this is still within their culture, but Jesus is here obviously to graft us in, um, that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, Okay. And that we should love our neighbors as ourself. So this is emphasized, the loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, the loving the Lord your God part, you guys, with your heart, soul, and mind. That is a given. And out of that, out of abiding in him and loving him with your heart, soul, and mind, you will be challenged and pressed into loving your neighbor as yourself, even though it's hard sometimes. 
because God will start to transform you. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen the transformation that happens when you lean into that discomfort of like, they're different than me and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it goes back to in James where it's talking about using our tongue, not using our tongue to condemn our neighbor and to speak poison. But we want to bless our father with our tongue because we love him with our whole mind, body, and spirit, our heart, soul, and mind. And so that is it going to be a natural thing that will start to happen as we abide in him deeper and deeper and deeper, pursuing him deeper and deeper um, and giving him full reign over our tongue, which is a part of our, um, you know, a part of our body, which we want to give over to the Lord. We're going to naturally love our neighbors. You know, we're going to naturally be inclined to do that. But we will have to fight our flesh because as James wrote out, you know, who can tame the tongue? You know, only the Holy Spirit can truly. Um, another Another uh, scripture I had down here was Matthew nineteen nineteen, which I know I said a little bit ago, and that's honor thy father and thy mother, um, and and then and love your neighbor as yourself. It's also referenced in there too. So I kind of skipped over that because I was going to loop back to father and mother. That's an important one though, you guys, honoring your father and your mother, and you need to ask the Lord what that looks like for your situation because we have so many dysfunctional, broken relationships where um things were not they were not they were not how they're supposed to be the relationship was broken and it's not ever how god intended it to be and so let the lord wrestle with the lord about that um, because even in honoring your even in praying for your mom and dad you can honor them from afar if you're not at a place where you're able to be in close proximity, but even just starting and praying for them will make way for um, the supernatural to occur, for his kingdom to come, for righteous seeds to be sown into that relationship. And you just never know what God could do. But then there's this emphasis also in Matthew 19, 19 of loving your neighbor as yourself. It's important. Okay. Um, and then let's see, Mark twelve thirty one is also the repetition of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So you guys know the Gospels. It's repeated through um, different lenses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's lots of repetition of some of the same things, but also some different things through different um, lenses of the disciples, which is really incredible. I, I remember when I realized that, I think I was in high school, and, and no one taught me that. Nobody told me that. And I'd, I was reading Matthew, and then I read Mark, and I'm like, man, this sounds really f- familiar. And then I read Luke, and I'm like, okay, what, what is going on here? This is like the same thing. And then I read John, and I'm like, okay, these are literally so close but different. And I'm like, is this a thing? And this is before I even, like, there was no Googling. I wasn't going to be able to Google this. Um, and I remember being like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Like, why would it be like this? And I love that God thought that that was important to do in his word, giving these different perspectives. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, So praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for the gospels and for empowering four different men to share the stories of how Jesus walked on earth.
All right, you guys, we're going to loop back to Romans, okay? So if you have been a long time a listener, or even if you listened to last season, we did a whole thing on Romans, and I think that just kind of like prepped the soil for this season. Um, so Romans has been important. I've read all of Romans on this podcast, had to fight for that last little bit, had to like lock myself in the closet and be like, no, why do you come in here? <laughs> But I thought it was so important just to read it over you guys. And um, if you haven't read it and and you're just wanting to have clarity on what does it mean to walk with God and to be um, a servant of the Most High, go through and just read Romans. You could read it honestly in one sitting, if not two. Okay, so Romans th- uh, 13. Okay, um, I'm going to read. It's like I want to read this CSV, you guys, but all right. I'm going to flip over into the other one too. All right. Let every soul, this is Romans 13. Let every, let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves for rulers are not a terror to good conduct. But to bad, do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval. For it's God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. Okay, I want to read to you guys in my CSB Bible the the study Bible notes in here because this scripture is slung about quite frequently these days or at least in the past couple of years. Um, as I referenced, I guess, a couple episodes ago in Daniel 2, I believe, remember, this is from the framework that God is sovereign over it all and he does appoint the kings for his purposes, Right? In Romans 13, though, there's some very key things to be aware of, and this is wisdom. It says, the relation of the church to the state is a matter of perennial controversy. Israel struggled under a very, under various world empires and in New Testament times was under the yoke of Rome. How should God's people relate to ungodly governments? Jesus once addressed this matter by saying, Give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Matthew twenty two twenty one. Government is an institution ordained by God for human benefit, but it can be corrupted and twisted out of its proper function. Paul, in these few short verses, does not address some of the questions that we might ask him, but clearly he wanted Roman Christians... That's the time that this was written to be good citizens. However, that same government put our Lord to death, John 19, 10 through 11, and killed both Peter and Paul. 
the same government is the view again in Revelation 13. Thus, the Christian must take care to discern possible cases where obedience to the government entails disobedience to God. Are you guys hearing that? Because we fear the Lord over man, if there is a situation where we are obeying a government authority, (laughs) these are weighty words, that is going to cause us, in our obedience to the government authority, we're going to be disobeying God, that's a problem. That is a problem. It references how um, this government eventually put Jesus to death, and it also put to to death Peter and Paul. Um, A lot of the disciples were actually put to death, um, but more by like people and not so much the government. Um, That could be a consequence of choosing to stand firm and obey God and to fear the Lord beyond man. When we stand firm in him and we say, I, I, I'm a servant of, the God, of God most high and I abide in him and I take orders from him. And if I do this, whatever this is that the government's telling me to do, that's not something that God wants me to do then I'm disobeying. And the, the perfect example of this, you guys, is in Daniel, um, which I really think I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an episode on that. Um, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, um, and Daniel. So let me write that down. Um, you know, he stood. Um, oh, he didn't stand. He didn't, he didn't, well, he didn't bow down. He did. He stood. He didn't stand for what um, the government was wanting him to do at that time. You know, when King Nebuchadnezzar was like, bow down to my statues, he was the only one who who remained physically standing um, up for what was right. That is such a good story. We need to get into that. So that is is the loophole because I knew, you know, people are going to be like, well, wait a minute. I got to submit to the government and all things. You know, this has been a conversation, you guys. This is a conversation and this will be ongoing because as you see here, Revelation 13 is reference. And you guys know... Or maybe you don't know. In Revelation 13, that's the breakdown, okay? It is the breakdown and it is the prophecy of what life is going to look like uh, when the government is no longer doing what they should be doing or, or underneath, you know. It is, God is sovereign and so it's written out like he already knows and this is like the plan. Um, but this is when we get real close to uh, walking with Jesus in the new earth. So go and read Revelation 13 and ask the Lord for wisdom. All right, we're moving on in Rome, in uh, Romans 13, okay? Do not, this is an eight, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, And any other commandment are summed up by the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Okay? That's just supporting and continuing to emphasize what Jesus has already told us. 
Besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That is true. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Yes, Lord, we receive that. We want to do that. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We're here again. It all leads to Jesus. The only way that we're able to do these things is when we put on the light of Christ, that, that light that comes from having Jesus in our hearts so that we can um, be fully given over to the ministry of God rather than getting caught up in these you know, tricks, these deeds of darkness that want to ensnare us. It all leads back to Jesus. The way <laughs> the seeds of righteousness are relationship with Jesus, period. Okay. All right, you guys, I want to wrap up this episode. I am diving back in. I had to take a short hiatus. I ran out of time in my window, but it was so good because I was able to kind of marinate on this a little bit. And I don't know if you remember at the beginning of this season, God was, and maybe even at the end of season three, God started to speak to me about perfect love. And we know perfect love perfect love, perfect love, cast out fear, power, love, sound mind, you know, all those things. What is perfect love? And you know, this is so beautiful because in God's word in first Corinthians 13, um, Paul is writing about perfect love. He's writing about the love that we can show to our neighbors, because ultimately when we love our neighbors as ourselves, when we love the Lord, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, you are inviting in that perfect love that casts out fear. So there's no grounds for fear. And that is usually the basis for when we act out or freak out. It's because we're afraid. So in the King James version of 1 Corinthians 13, the word love is actually written as charity. And when I read it for the first time, I actually really loved that because it shows like the action side of it, you know, because sometimes saying the word love can feel really abstract. Um, So when it's written out as charity, you guys can imagine kind of like what your hands and your mind and your heart is doing through the act of charity, these things. Um, So what I'm going to do is kind of straddle my King James and my CSB here. (laughs) I feel like I have a holster and I've got like a sword in each on each side. I love it. A sword on each hip. Okay. It's very short. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to read, I'm going to read the charity version first. Okay. And then I will read the CSB version first. So let this just wash over you as you go forward, asking the Lord for tangible ways to walk this out so that we can sow seeds for righteousness. 
Okay. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and I have not charity, it profits me nothing, nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemingly. It seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh not evil, thinks no evil, rejoices not iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, okay? We know we only know part of this. We only can prophesy part of this because there's so much that we don't see. But that which is perfect is come. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. It's okay, buddy. Hey, buddy. Come on. He's trying to crawl. Um, my little child. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass. <clears throat> okay. As you mature and grow, you start to see through the glass. I got to grab my baby. But, okay, we see. For now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face. So we're seeing kind of like through the glass, but it's dark. We like, we're not sure, but soon we're going to see face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity in these three, but the greatest of these is charity. All right. So first Corinthians 13 CSB If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all my, all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Okay, you guys know this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. Oh, Lord, help me. I need help with that. And does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 
But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. And as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Mm. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. There's so much in God's word about love, and I encourage you guys, get on the Blue Letter Bible app and just explore what are some of the ways that we are asked to love what what's the example we've seen you know obviously jesus is like our best example but love is all throughout these pages all throughout these pages okay we're gonna flop right on over not too far from first corinthians into ephesians 5 okay ephesians 5 all right it says be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Okay, walk in love as Christ has also loved us. And he has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Woo! That's why I like the King James, you guys. You don't get the sweet smelling savor in your, in your ready, ready-made Bible. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Okay, once you become saints, we don't want to be hearing about fornication and uncleanness and covetousness. Okay, we don't want that. Neither filthiness or foolish talking nor jesting. Mm, Come on, foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, okay, but rather giving thanks. Mm. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. But not ye therefore... Be not ye, therefore, partakers with them. Don't partake with those people, okay? For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Okay, those works don't bear fruit, but rather reprove them. Okay, wow. Not only are you not supposed to partake in them, but maybe you're supposed to participate in reproving them. Wow. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. 
for whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he says, awake thou that sleeps and arise from the dead. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. There's our word wisdom. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I'm fighting Winston, you guys, to read this to you. Buddy, let me read it. Let me read it. Um, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Come on, you guys. We have to seek wisdom. We have to seek his wisdom and understanding. And be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Future Bethany here. I hate interrupting because I know we're doing a thing here, but I just want to throw in one more scripture that I totally forgot to read. This was going to be my last one. And this, you guys, is the deal. Okay, this is a scripture out of Galatians 5. Um, And you guys know this, okay? If you grew up in the church, you know what the fruit of the Spirit are. You knew I was going to get to it eventually, right? When we are sowing these seeds of righteousness, what we're doing is sowing seeds that will cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. It all comes back to the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just love. Love is such a huge component of it. But when we love our neighbor and we're doing that, when it starts in love, you better believe there's seeds that are being sown for joy and for peace as a peacemaker and patience and kindness. Somehow love is the big ticket. And maybe that's because God is love. And so in him are all of these things. So thank you, Lord, God. Thank you so much for your word. I love it. Thank you for the fruits of the spirit. So this is Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, 
envying one another. If you need to go back and just listen to those scriptures, listen to them again and just let them permeate in your heart, you guys. You know, that that is the goal, right? That is the goal when we are in fellowship with God, when we are longing and seeking to sow seeds of righteousness. It all points back to love. It all points back to Jesus. It all points back to who we serve. And if we're truly working and serving the Lord, then these things mentioned in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 and Ephesians 5, we should start to see a sprinkling of seeds in our life. Maybe you're even further along and you're seeing a legit harvest. Praise the Lord. But if you're not seeing a harvest yet, you guys know what I like to say. I love to reference my Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary and doing good. In due season, you will reap the harvest if you don't give up. Sow these seeds, you guys, in righteousness. Pursue righteousness. And when you're sowing seeds and you're working and you're wanting to see breakthrough, it's going to be through love. It's going to be through true love, which is through Jesus. So God, I just pray you will help us to understand. Help us understand. Give us wisdom. I pray, Father, that these words that are going out today are going to make sense. (laughs) Lord, make it make sense. God, I just pray that it will minister to somebody. That somebody will feel encouraged. Somebody will have a moment of, wow, okay. I pray, God, that your word, your word would be um, so living and active to my friend listening today. And that there would be no stumbling block. There would be nothing in the way. And if there is something in the way of my friend receiving this word, God, I pray you just reveal that and give my dear friend listening today the strength to just give that to you, Lord, to repent of it or to just hand it over so that these words can just permeate us and change us, God. We want to be changed and transformed by your Holy Spirit through your word, God. And so I pray that you will do that work in us. Help us to love our neighbors truly from the depths of our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to love you with our whole mind, heart, soul, and mind, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary.